I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello. Uh, welcome to the Mansion of Leaves of Glen. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. This week, I'll continue reading The Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, <clears throat> Want to learn about the author? Sure you do. You wouldn't be in this game if you weren't ready to play. Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle, born the 22nd of May 1859, died the 7th of July 1930, was a British writer and physician. Oh, he created the character Sherlock Holmes in 1887 uh, for A Study in Scarlet, the first of four novels and uh, 56 short stories about Holmes and Dr. Watson. The Sherlock Holmes stories are milestones in the field of crime fiction. Want to know some fun facts? Sure. Uh, also, as a side note, my neighbor's cousin wants to store their car in my garage. So at any point, I'm going to get a text message and I have to go outside and then guide their car into my garage. And then I guess I'm keeping it there till spring. Some old car that they want to store. None of this is important to you. I'm just saying I might have to stop at any point awkwardly and then go outside and be like, hey, oh, no, not a big deal. Yeah, no, I'm just happy to help. That's going to happen at some point. Fun facts about Arthur Conan Doyle? Sure. His mother was a bigger Sherlock Holmes fan than he was. In fact, Conan Doyle soured on his most famous creation after, oh, burp, I am gassed. Only a handful of stories. Late in life, Conan Doyle sincerely hoped that he would be known in years to come as primarily a spiritualist, rather than a writer. Again, moron. The guy's a moron. It's a moron trying to write about a person smarter than himself. As early as 1891, he was known to have written his mother expressing a desire to kill off a beloved detective. His mother's response was a perfect distillation of the broader readings public. You won't, you can't, you mustn't. Though Conan Doyle would indeed kill off Holmes, famously along with Moriarty, at the Switzerland Reichenbach Falls. The detective's uh, death was brief uh, in one of the most famous early instances of the retcon, Conan Doyle revived Holmes for Hound of the Baskervilles in 1902 and the return of Sherlock Holmes in 1903 a few years later, claiming that the notorious detective had actually faked his death. Oh, that's convenient. I'm glad he's invented all the tropes that we get to enjoy today. Maybe he'll also have uh, a one where it's just the whole thing was a dream. He investigated a few mysteries of his own. That's another fun fact. Uh, most notably, he took on the case of George... Edelge, 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 who, thanks to Conan Doyle's efforts, was exonerated for charges of sending threatening letters and mutilating animals. Weird. The case, which was dramatized in, among other places, Julianne Barnes' 2005 novel, uh, Arthur and George, cuts to the heart of an often neglected side of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the deeply political side. In addition to penning some of English literature's greatest mystery stories, uh, Conan Doyle was a vocal supporter of the British military campaigns in Africa. Oh, great. What a nice guy. Ran twice for Parliament. Sure, why not? And volunteered as a field director in South Africa. 
Uh, recap the previous chapter is a clip show. No one wants to read the summary of a chapter that they just read. It's stupid. Let's hope for the best with this. Well, crap. I got a lot of space between now and when the grandfather clock goes off. So I have to fill that space with more noise from my flapping, flapping mouth. A flapping old mouth that's only getting older every goddamn year. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, uh, it's going to be my birthday. Uh, the day this episode comes out, which is depressing. I'm recording it a few days early, and I'm hating every minute of it, because uh, it just means time is marching on. The lines on my face get deeper, the giant waddle on my throat gets thicker and wetter, and then I go to the mall, oh, no one, no one looks at me, but as the next year passes and my head gets more like a giant thumb, Definitely no one's going to look at me. At the mall. I used to rule the mall with an iron fist. I was the most handsome man that would ever go to Eddie Bauer. But now, not anymore. Now people just avert their... Fuck the clock. People avert their eyes when they see me wandering, scuttling along, having to grab onto some kind of rail to steady myself. All right, fine. Let's just get into the story. Chapter 9, The Light Upon the Moor, Ugh, the second report of Dr. Watson. We, the last chapter was a report from Dr. Watson, and it was a recap of the previous chapter we already read. Is this a recap of the recap? It's a clip show within a clip show. It's like Inception. It just goes on forever. God, I'm never going to finish this book. Baskerville Hall, October 15th. My dear Holmes, if I was compelled to leave you without much news during the early days of my mission, you must acknowledge that I'm making up for lost time, and that events are now crowding thick and fast upon us. In my last report, I ended upon my top note with Barrymore at the window, and now I have quite a budget already, which will, unless I am much mistaken, considerably surprise you. Things have taken a turn, which I could not have anticipated. In some ways, they have, within the last 48 hours, become much clearer, and in some ways, they have become more complicated. But I will tell you all, and you shall judge for yourself. <laughs> Before breakfast on the morning following my adventure, I went down the corridor and examined the room in which Barrymore had been on the night before. The western window through which uh, we had stared so intently was, I noticed one pe uh, peculiarity, uh, I can't say that word, above all other windows in the house. It commands the nearest outlook onto the moor. There's an opening between two trees, which enables one, from this point of view, to look right down upon it. While all the other windows, only a distant glimpse, ah, which could be obtained, it follows, therefore, that Barrymore, since only this window would serve the purpose, must have been looking out for something. Or, uh, or somebody upon the moor. And the night was very dark, so that I could hardly imagine how he could have hoped to see anyone. It had struck me that it was possible that some love intrigue was on foot. Uh, that would have accounted for his stealthy movements and also for the uneasiness of his wife. The man is a striking-looking fellow, uh, very well equipped to steal the heart of a, uh, 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 a country girl. Mm -hmm. 
so that his theory seemed to have something to support it. The opening of the door, which I had heard after I returned to my room, might mean that he had gone out to keep some clandestine appointment. So I reasoned with myself in the morning, and I tell you the direction of my suspicions. However much the result may have shown that they were unfounded, but whatever the true explanation of Barrymore's movements might be, I uh, felt that the responsibility of keeping them to myself until I could explain them was more than I could bear. I had an interview with the baronet in his study after breakfast, and I told him all that I had seen. And he was less surprised than I expected. Oh, 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 I knew that Barrymore walked about nights. And I had a, I had a, I had a mind to speak about him with it, uh, said he. Two or uh, three times I've heard steps uh, in the passage, coming and going, just, just about uh, the hour you name. Uh, perhaps that he pays a visit every night to that particular window, I suggested. Uh, perhaps he does. If so, we should be able to shadow him and see what it is uh, that he is after. Oh, I wonder what your friend Holmes would do if he were here. Uh, well, I believe that he would do exactly what you now suggest, said I. Uh, he would follow Barrymore and see what he did. Then shall we do it together? But surely he would hear us. The man is rather deaf. And in any case, uh, we must take our chance of that. Oh, we'll sit up in my room tonight and wait till he passes. Sir Henry rubbed his hands with pleasure. It was evident that he hailed the adventure as a relief to his somewhat quiet life upon the moor. He must be boring as hell out there, just staring at the moor, staring at your sister, it's creepy. The baronet had been in communication with the architect who prepared the plans for Sir Charles and with a contractor from London so that we may expect great changes to begin here soon. There have been uh, decorators and furnishers up from Plymouth. And it was evident that our friend had large ideas and means to spare no play, uh, pains or expense to restore the grandeur of his family. Uh, when the house is renovated and uh, refurnished, all that he will need will be a wife to make it complete. Between ourselves, there are pretty clear signs that this will not be wanting if the lady is willing, uh, for I have seldom have seen a man more infatuated with a woman than he is with our beautiful neighbor, Miss Stapleton. And yet the course of true love does not run quite as smoothly as one would under circumstances today. Uh, uh, for example, uh, its surface uh, was broken by an unsuspected ripple. Oh, it just caused our friend considerable perplexity and annoyance. A single ripple? The fuck is that? <laughs> Pacing around the room. Where the fuck did that ripple come from? After the conversation, which I have quoted about Barrymore, Sir Henry put on his hat and prepared to go out. As a matter of course, I did the same. Uh, well, are you coming, Watson? He asked, looking at me in a curious way. Uh, that depends on whether you and I are going down the moor, said I. Well, yes, I am. Well, uh, you know what my instructions are, and I am sorry to intrude, but you heard how earnestly Holmes insisted I should not leave you, and especially that you should not uh, go alone upon the, uh, upon the moor. Sir Henry put his hand upon my shoulder with a, ooh, with a pleasant smile. Hmm. My dear fellow, said he, Holmes, with all his wisdom, did not foresee some things which have happened since I have been on the moor. You understand me? Uh, a question mark? And I'm sure that you are the last man in the world uh, who would wish to be a spoil sport. <clears throat> I must go out alone. It put me in the most awkward position. I was at a loss what to say or what to do. And before I had made up my mind, he, he picked up his cane and was gone. 
But when I came to think the matter over my conscience, or reproached me bitterly for having any pretext allowed him to go out of my sight, I imagined what my feelings would be if I had to return to you and to confess that some misfortune had occurred through the disregard for your instructions. Oh, I assure you that my cheeks flushed at the very thought. It, uh... It might even now be too late to overtake him, so I set off at once in the direction of Mariput House. I heard along the road at the top of the speed, uh, at the top of the speed, yeah, I'll leave it like that, that's probably the way it should have been written, without seeing anything of Sir Henry, until I came to the point where the moor path branches off. There, fearing that perhaps I had come in, all, uh, in the wrong direction after all, I mounted a hill from which I could command a view, the very same hill which is cut into the dark quarry. Thence... I saw him at once. He was on the moor uh, path about a quarter of a mile off, and a lady was by his side, who could only be Miss Stapleton. Now it was clear that there was already an understanding between them and that they had met by appointment. Oh, oh, they were, they were walking slowly along in a, uh, in a deep conversation. And I, I, saw her making, I saw her making quick little movements with her hands. And she was uh, very earnest in what she was saying while he listened intently. And uh, once or twice shook his head in strong dissent. Uh, oh, I stood among the rocks watching them, uh, very much puzzled as to what to do next. Uh, to follow them? Break into their intimate conversation? That seemed to be an outrage, and yet my clear duty was never for an instant to let him out of my sight. To act the spy upon a friend who is hateful. It was a hateful task. Still, I could see no better course than to observe him from the hill and to clear my conscience by confessing to him afterwards what I had done. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's true that if any sudden danger had threatened him, I was too far away to be of any use. And yet I am sure that you will agree with me that the position was very difficult and that there was nothing more uh, which I could do. Our friend, Sir Henry... And the lady had halted on the path. Uh-oh, I think I just got a message from my neighbor. Yeah, I'm going to have to go outside and help them park their car. And make small talk, as us Midwestern people do. And you do what's called the Minnesota Goodbye, which lasts 20 minutes to an hour. So I'll be back in a minute. I'm back. Did I have to leave that giant cap in there? No, I just did it for uh, audio effect. Halted on the path and were standing deeply absorbed in their conversation. I, they parked their car. Everything's fine. They tried to give me money uh, for housing the car there. And I said no. And it became weird where the woman who's in her like 60s was almost chasing me around. And I said, I'm going to do a good deed for you against your will. This feels grossly non-consensual, though I'm going to make you be, you're going to take the nice deed. So, uh, in the end, I won, because you can't force a man to take money if he doesn't want to take it. Our friend, okay, Path, deeply absorbed in the conversation, uh, when I was suddenly aware that I was not only a witness uh, of their interview, a wisp, a wisp of green floating in the air caught my eye. Oh, and another glance showed me that it was uh, carried on a stick by a man uh, who was moving among the broken ground. It was Stapleton with his butterfly net. He was very much closer to the pair than I was, and uh, he appeared to be moving in their direction. At this instant, Sir Henry suddenly drew Miss Stapleton to his side. Oh, oh, his arm was round her, and it seemed to me 
that she was straining away from him with, with her face averted. Well, that's a lot of body language that says, get the fuck away from me. I stooped his head to hers, and uh, she raised one hand as if in protest. Next moment, I saw them spring apart and turn hurriedly round. Oh, uh, Stapleton was the cause of the interruption. Uh, he was running wildly towards him. An absurd net dangling behind him. He gesticulated and almost uh, danced with excitement uh, in front of the lovers. What the scene meant, I could not imagine. But it seemed to me that Stapleton was abusing Sir Henry, who offered explanations, which became more angry as the other refused to accept them. Oh, the lady stood by in haughty silence. Finally, Stapleton turned upon his heel and beckoned in a preemptory way to his sister, who, after an irresolute glance at Sir Henry, uh, walked off by the side of her brother. Ah, the naturalist's angry gesture showed that the lady was included in his displeasure. The baronet stood for a minute looking after them, and then he walked slowly back the way that he had come, and his head, well, hanging, and the very picture <laughs> of dejection. <laughs> Uh, what all this meant, I could not imagine, but I was deeply ashamed to have witnessed so intimate a scene without my friend's knowledge. Oh, you're a peeping Tom, and you regret it. I ran down the hill, therefore, and met his baronet at the bottom, and his face was flushed with anger, and his brows, his brows were wrinkled, uh, like one who's at his wit's end at what to do. Hello, uh, Watson. Uh, where have you dropped from, said he. Now you don't mean to say that you come after me in spite of all... And I explained everything to him, how I had found it impossible to remain behind, and how I followed him, and how I had witnessed all that had occurred. Well, good for him. He's not a peeping Tom if you admit to it, though you still peeped. You still peeped, you little pervert. For an instant, oh, his eyes blazed at me. Yeah, because you're a peeping Tom. But my frankness uh, disarmed his anger, and he broke at last to a, a rather rueful laugh. I wonder what that sounds like. <laughs> well, you have, uh, you have thought the middle of the, uh, the prairie a, a fairly safe space. Uh, for a man to be private, said he, but by thunder the whole countryside seems to have gotten, has been out to see me do my wooing, and a mighty poor wooing at that. Uh, where had you engaged a seat? Uh, I, was, uh, I was on the hill. Quite in the back row, eh? Uh, but her brother was well up front. Did you see him come out on us? Uh, yes, I did. Did he ever strike you as being crazy, this, this, this brother of hers? I can't say that he ever did. I dare say not. I always thought him sane enough until today, but you can take it from me that either he or I ought to be in a straitjacket. Uh, what's the matter with me anyhow? You've lived near me for some weeks, Watson. Tell me straight now. Uh, is there anything that would prevent me from making a good husband to a woman that I loved? Uh, I should say not. He can't object to my worldly position, uh, so it must be myself that he has this down on. Uh, what is he against me? Oh, I never heard a man or a woman in my life that I know of, and yet he would not so much as let me touch the tips of her fingers. Did he say so? That and a deal more, I tell you, Watson. Uh, I've only known her these few weeks, uh, but for the first I just felt that she was made for me, and she... Too. She was happy when she was with me, and that I'll swear. There's a light in a woman's eyes that sparks louder than words. Oh, speaks louder than words. Whatever, my version's better. But he has never led us together, and it is only today for the first time that I saw a chance of having a few words with her alone. Oh, she was glad to meet me, but when but when she did, it was not to, uh, not love uh, that she would talk about, and she, uh, 
She wouldn't have let me talk about it either if she could have stopped it. She kept coming back to it uh, that this was a place of danger. Eh, eh. And that she would never be happy until I left it. No, I told her that since I'd seen her, I was in no hurry to leave it. And that if she really wanted me to go, the only way to go uh, to work was for her to arrange to go with me. That's pretty cool with a stranger. With that, I offered in as many words to marry her, but before she could answer, she came down her brother of hers and running at us with a face on him like a, like a, like a madman. Eyes just a white with rage. Those, those light eyes of his were blazing with fury. Uh, what was I, what was I doing with the lady? How dare I offer attentions which are distasteful to her? And did I think that because I was a baronet that I could do what I liked? And if he had not been her brother, I should have known better how to answer him. As it was, I told him that my feelings towards his sister were such as I was not ashamed of, and that I hoped that she might honor me by becoming my wife. That seemed to make the matter no better, so then I lost my temper too. And I answered him rather more hotly than I should perhaps, considering that she was standing by. So it ended by his going off with her. And as you saw, and here I am, as badly puzzled a man as any, as any in this country. Oh, I, tell me what it all means, Watson. And I'll owe you more than I ever can hope to pay. Mally! Tried one or two explanations, but indeed, I was completely puzzled myself. Oh, our friend's title, his fortune, his age, his, his character, and his appearance were all in his favor. And I know nothing against him unless it be this dark fate which runs in this family. Uh, that his advances should be rejected so brusquely, without any reference to his lady's own wishes, and that the lady should accept the situation without protest is very amazing. However, our conjectures were set at the rest of the visit from Stapleton himself the very afternoon, and, and he came to offer apologies uh, for his rudeness of the morning. And after a long private interview with Sir Henry in his study, the upshot of their conversation was that the breach is quite healed and that we are to dine at Merripit House the next Friday as a sign of it. Oh, I don't say now that he isn't a crazy man, said Sir Henry. I can't forget the look in his eyes when he ran at me this morning, but I must, not, I must allow that no man could make a more handsome apology than he has done. Did he have any explanation of his conduct? Not sisters, everything in life, he says. Uh, that is natural enough, and I am glad that he should understand her value, that they have always been together, and according to his account, he has been a, a very lonely man with only her as a companion. Well, that's pretty gross. And so that the thought of losing her was really terrible to him. Oh, he had not understood, he said, that I was becoming attached to her. But uh, what he saw with his own eyes, that it really was so, and that she might be taken away from him, well, it gave him such a shock that for a time he was not responsible for what he said or did. Oh, he was very sorry for all that had passed, and he recognized how foolish and how selfish it was that he should imagine that he could hold a beautiful woman like his sister to himself his entire life. If she had to leave him, he had rather it was a, a neighbor like himself uh, than anyone else. But in any case, it was a blow to him, and it would take him some time before he could prepare himself to meet it. Oh, he could withdraw opposition upon his part if he could promise for three months to let the matter rest and be content with cultivating the lady's friendship during that time uh, without claiming her love. And thus, I promised, and so the matter rests. Ugh, God, that was a long paragraph. So there is one of our small mysteries cleared up. Oh, it's something I have touched bottom anywhere in this bog in which we are floundering. <laughs> yeah, you get it. There we now... No, why Stapleton looked with disfavor upon his sister's suitor, even when that suitor was so eligible a one as Sir Henry. 
And now I pass on to another thread which I have extricated of the tangled skein, the mystery of the sobs in the night, and of the tear-strained face of Mrs. Barrymore, uh, of the secret journey of the butler to the western lattice window. Congratulate me, yeah, my dear Holmes, and tell me that I have not disappointed you as an agent, that you do not regret the confidence uh, which you showed me when you sent me down. Oh, all these things by one night's work have been thoroughly cleared. I have said, uh, quote, by one night's work, but in truth, it was by uh, mm, two nights' work. And for the first, we drew entirely blank. I sat up with Sir Henry in his rooms till nearly three o'clock in the morning, uh, but no sound of any sort did we hear except the chimney clock upon the stairs. I was most melancholy vigil at the end of each of us falling asleep in our chairs. Fortunately, we were not discouraged, and uh, we determined to try again. Uh, the next night, we lowered the lamp, sat smoking cigarettes, <laughs> without making the least sound. That was incredible. How slowly the hours crawled by, and yet we were helped through it by the same sort of patient interest uh, which the hunter must feel as he watches the trap into which he hopes the game may wander. Oh, one struck, and two, and we had almost, uh, for a second time, given up in despair, when in an instant we both sat bolt upright in our chairs with our weary senses keenly uh, on the alert once more. We had heard the creak, the, the creak of a step. In the passage. No, oh, very stealthily we heard it pass along until it died away in the distance. And the baronet gently opened his door. We set out in pursuit. Already our man had gone round the gallery in the corridor in all the darkness. Softly, we stole along. Softly, so softly, until we had heard come into another wing. We were just in time to catch a glimpse of the tall, black-bearded figure. His shoulders rounded as he tiptoed down the passage. Oh, I... I Oh, and then he passed through the same door as before, and the light of the candle framed in the darkness had shot one single yellow beam across the gloom of the corner. Oh, we shuffled cautiously toward it, trying every plank before we dared to put our whole weight upon it. Oh, we had because that's what you do when you're sneaking out of the house as a kid. Uh, as adults, you still learn that trick, and you hold on to it. It comes in handy when you're trying to stalk a man in his own home. We had taken the precaution of leaving our boots behind us, and even so, the old board snapped and creaked beneath our tread. Oh, sometimes it seemed possible that we should fail to hear our approach. However, the man is fortunately rather deaf, and he was entirely preoccupied uh, in that which he was doing. When at last we reached the door and peeped through it, we found him crouching at the window, candle in his hand, his white, intent face pressed against the pane, exactly where I've seen it uh, two nights before. <sighs> you know the problem with uh, peeping out of a window with a candle is that there's more light inside than there is outside. I grew up in a neighborhood where we had a little courtyard thing, and when I was a little kid, I'd sit and listen to audiobooks or whatever as when I was supposed to be sleeping with all my lights out. Nighttime, looking out my window, looking at all the other windows around the courtyard, and you could see people not caring that I can see them. The lights are on inside their home. They're getting naked. They're having arguments. Uh, I don't know. Tickle fights. All sorts of horrible things I saw as a youth that I should have never seen because people didn't seem to realize or care that if it's darker outside than it is inside your home and your windows are open or your blinds are open... People can see everything. The reason why I can't understand why people have these big mansions where they uh, have giant picture windows with no curtains, and I can see what they're watching on TV. Morons! So, 
I learned from that that if you are trying to peep on someone out of a window and there's a light inside your place, they're going to see you. So that's when you have to turn to somebody as knowledgeable as Doorglass Incorporated. It's doorglass.com, D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S.com. They're dedicated to fabricating and uh, professionally installing the highest quality glass products for the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with years of experience, makes them the premier source for installation repair. They approach every project with the same goals, professionalism, integrity. And in the case of making a one-way glass where no one can see you peeping at them with your phone or a candle, they're discreet. What they do, commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, they also design and build anything to your specifications, and they make peep windows, windows that are made for you to sit with all your lights on and look out the window and no one can see that you're staring at them. Such people that have asked for a peep window are places like Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman-Williams, Portillo's, the Salt Cave, which is a weird place where you can meditate in the walls of salt, which is disgusting, and Applebee's. So, if you want to peep on your neighbors like a little pervert, and you want to make sure that you have the highest quality professional glass, it's a one-way glass, so they can't see that you're sitting there peeping while you're taking pictures with a flashbulb and stuff, uh... Go to doorglass.com, that's D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S.com, and uh, they'll help you uh, satisfy all your perversions. Well, with that, uh, why don't we go upstairs and see what kind of perversions we can make in my master bedroom. Can't wait to see what you're wearing. Uh, uh, you just wear a cowboy hat. A cowboy hat and a big belt buckle. That's the most uncreative costume I've ever seen you wear in my entire life. There's nothing erotic about this. Look at your little bootcut jeans. They're flaring out all weird. You're not really buying into the whole flare pan. You get the boots. Honestly, what's this you left on the bed? A book racked and stacked by Laurel Lee James. Part of the blacktop cowboy novels. Oh, God. Really? This is what you bring? I let you be in charge of the books that we pick for the Penguin Random House romance section, and all you pick is racked and stacked? Fine. Let's learn about it. <clears throat> Opposites don't just attract in the West. They sizzle. Ugh, for Christ's sake. And Wyoming has never been hotter than in this sexy blacktop cowboys with a register mark novel from New York Times bestselling author uh, Laura Lee James. We've already established that the New York Times bestselling author is a is just a grift. Growing up with three older brothers, Larissa Riss Thorpe defines the term tomboy, a moniker that never really mattered, uh, to her until she crossed paths with a sexy cowboy player like Palmer. Seeing him in action and on the road, Riz, Riz, I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce this bullshit, uh, can tell that Ike prefers his women soft-spoken and feminine. And since Riz, whatever, is obviously not his type, it's uh, very unlikely that they'll mix business with pleasure when they're in so close quarters together. Former cattle broker Ike Palmer, oh, now we get to learn about Ike, the mysterious Ike, was ready for a new chapter in his life as a stock contractor. When he heard, he started uh, working with Riz, Riz, I don't know how to pronounce this, a sassy truck driver who gets under his skin at every turn. <laughs> but Riz is unlike any woman he's ever met. Uh, her candor inflames him. 
in the most unexpected ways. After circumstances force a truce between them, Riz, or Riz, and Ike, these are the dumbest names I've ever read in my head, why'd you pick, will have to choose to maintain the stubbornness that keeps them apart or take a chance on the fiery attraction that could lead to something more. Why would I read this? Well, let's see about the praise uh, for Laura Lee James. Uh, no one writes contemporary erotic romance better than Laura Lee James, says uh, New York Times best-selling author Maya Banks. Well, I already don't trust Maya Banks because they have to throw in the New York Times best-selling author at the beginning of her name. Laura Lee James knows how to write one hot, sexy cowboy. Says New York Times best-selling author Jassy Burton, J.C. But everyone's name is stupid. Entertaining, sweet, endearing, and sexy. Says Harlequin Junkie. Must be a blog. Uh, takes readers on a satisfying ride. While James is known for erotic interludes, she never forgets to bolster the story with plenty of emotional power. Says Publishers Weekly. That's actually a a real. Uh, thing, so that's the only one here worth anything, combining the erotic and family, love and romance with doubt and vulnerabilities and throwing in some plain old fun always makes her reads favorites of mine every time, says the good, the bad, and the unread so I looked up uh, the good, the bad, and unread as I was reviewing this with a special friend of mine who's none of your business uh, and it turns out it's a crappy blog it's clearly a homemade blog, good, bad, and unread.com. The blog at the top just has two a picture, a badly made photo of uh, two rubber ducks that they just took a picture of with their phone and the flash bulb. And uh, they photoshopped down some hats and a little bandana on the ducks. And then they kind of cropped out the picture to get the background out of the way. So you have the white background. It looks all jaggedy and weird. It's totally something out of the 90s. Uh, Some of the menus at the top of the header is home, the pond, ponderings, quacking about, and review. Uh, Reading, ranting, and reviewing by readers. So apparently there's a a duck theme that's not obvious, but it is in the menu system. Uh, And so, yeah, they just review books, and apparently Penguin Random House thinks that they're uh, legitimate enough that they are are worth quoting on any of these reviews. Uh, You can tell that they're crap because it's a WordPress website. The theme for the website is designed by Elegant Themes, and it says powered by WordPress. It's at the bottom of the website. It's just some person's blog. That's the levels that Penguin Random House is it's I this is painful. Why would you leave this book on my bed? Uh well it's coming out on December seventh, uh twenty twenty one. You can pre order from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, which I can't stand with all my heart, I hate them so much. Uh bookshop.org, which Ben can tell you all about, Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell's, Target, and Walmart. With that, take off that goddamn suit. And you can put this book, uh, you can take it back with you. I don't want to have it as part of my personal library. Let's go back downstairs and finish reading the rest of this crappy chapter. Well, get settled and... And don't talk to me. For God's sake, don't interrupt me. You're really disappointing me with this last one. It's hard to be aroused when you're wearing a cowboy outfit. 
Well, he had arranged no plan of campaign, but the baronet is a man to whom the most direct way is always the most natural. Oh, he walked into the room. As he did so, Barrymore sprang up from the window with a sharp hiss, a breath, and stood livid, oh, and trembling before us. Uh, his dark eyes glaring out of this white mask of his face were full of horror and astonishment as he gazed from Sir Henry to me. What are you, what are you doing here, Barrymore? Uh, nothing, sir. His agitation was so great he could hardly speak, and the shadows sprang up and down from shaking his candle. It was a, it was a window, sir. I go round at night to see that they are fastened. Uh, burp. On the second floor? Uh, yes, sir, all the windows. Look here, Barrymore, said Henry sternly. We have made up our minds to have the truth out about you. So, burp, it will save you trouble to tell it uh, sooner rather than later. Come now. Ah, no lies. Uh, what were you doing at the window? Well, the fellow looked at us in a helpless way, and he brought his hands together like one who is in the last extremity of doubt and misery. I was doing uh, no harm, sir. I was uh, holding a candle to the window. Why were you holding a candle to the window? Uh, don't ask me, uh, Sir Henry. Don't don't ask me, exclamation point. I gave my word, sir, that it is not my secret, and I cannot tell it. If it concerned no one but myself, I would try to, to keep it from you. A sudden idea occurred to me, and I took the candle from the trembling hand of the butler. Ah, he must have been holding it as a signal, said I. Let us see if there is any answer. I held it up as he had done, and stared out into the darkness of the night. Vaguely, eh, I could discern the, the black bank of the trees and the lighter expanse of the more for the for the moon was behind the clouds, and then I gave a cry of exultation, for a tiny pinpoint of yellow light had suddenly transfixed the dark veil. Oh, oh, and glowed steadily in the center of the black square framed by the window. There it is! Ah! I cried. Uh, no, no, sir, it's nothing, nothing at all, the butler broke in. I assure you, sir. Move your light across the window, Watson, cried the baronet. See, the other moves also. Now, you rascal, do you deny that it is a signal? Come, speak up. Who is your confederate out yonder, and what is the conspiracy that is going on? Oh, the man's face became openly defiant. Oh, it's my business and not yours. I will not tell. That's just like the lamest attempt at lying. You're just basically saying, I have a secret, and I will not tell you the secret. And then, of course, people are just going to bother you until you finally tell. This person sucks. Make up a lie. Uh, the plumber's out there. Uh, we have, we've been dating. I don't know. That's it. He did the plumbing, and... I don't know, you watch any porn? He's a plumber. You know how hot plumbers are? He's out there waiting to come in because we're going to get buck wild. Say that and hold your seat. They'll be like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to know any of that. That's a lot of personal information I didn't uh, think was going to happen so late at night. Why you do it from the window? Just have sex with the... Bring him in the back door. It's that easy. Bring him in the back door. Why do you got to wave a candle around? So what's he you do? Is this like a, some sort of weird mating dance you do? But no, instead he's got to just say, like, I got a secret and I won't tell. Stupid. If you're going to lie, be better at it. Distract them with something that creeps them out. Like sex with the plumber in the basement. Then you'll leave my employment right away. Very good, sir. If I must, I must. And you go in disgrace, by thunder, you will be ashamed of yourself. Your family has lived with mine for over a hundred years under this roof. Jesus criminy. And here I find you deep in some dark plot against me. A hundred years? Maybe you could let this one slide or something. No, no, sir. No, not against you. It was a woman's voice. 
and Mrs. Barrymore, paler and more horror-struck than her husband, was standing at the door. Her bulky, her bulky figure in a shawl and skirt might have been a comic were it not for the intensity of feeling upon her face. If we have to go, Eliza, this is the end of it. Uh, you can pack your things, said the butler. Oh, John, John, have I brought you to this? It is my doing. Sir Henry, all mine, it is. Uh, he has done nothing except for my sake and because I asked him. Yeah, speak out then. What does it mean? My unhappy brother is starving on the moor. We cannot let him perish at our very gates. The, the light is to signal him that food is ready for him. Ah, food. Food in the form of coitus. And his light out yonder is to show the spot to which to bring him. Then your brother is the escaped convict, Sir Selden. Sir Selden, the criminal? Okay. That's the truth, sir, said Barrymore. I said that it was not my secret, and I should not tell it to you. But now you have heard it, and you will see that there was a plot. It was not against you. This, then, was the explanation of the stealthy expeditions at night in the light of the window. Sir Henry and I both stared at the woman. Burp, burp. Wow, I'm really going crazy right now. Something about putting a car in my garage got me all gassy. Was it possible that this stolidly respectable person was the same blood as one of the most notorious criminals in the country? Yes, sir, my name was Selden, and he is my younger brother. Oh, we humored him too much when he was a lad and gave him his own way and everything until, until he came to think that the world was made for his pleasure and that he could do what he liked in it. Then, as he grew older, he met wicked companions, and the devil entered into him until he broke my mother's heart. Oh, and he dragged our name to the dirt. From crime to crime, he sank lower and lower until it is only the mercy of God which has snatched him from the scaffold. But to me, sir, he was always the little curly-headed boy that I had nursed and played with as an elder sister would. That was why he broke prison, sir. He knew that I was here and that he could, we could not refuse to help him. When he dragged himself here one night, weary and starving, with the warders hard at his heels, what else could we do? Well, we took him in and fed him, so you just, kept, you just kept maintaining the spoiledness of it instead of sending him back to... You guys aren't helping. You guys are not helping this person. Then you returned, sir, and my brother thought it would be safer on the moor than anywhere else until the hue and cry was over. So he lay hiding there. But every second night, we made sure if he was still there by putting a light in the window. And if there was an answer, my husband, where's, where's he getting candles from? He's living in a moor. Where's he getting, the can where's he getting a match? Where's he getting a match that's not wet? There was an answer that my husband took out some bread and meat to him. And every day we hoped that he was gone. But as, well, he won't because you baby him. But as long as he was there, we could not desert him. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. That is the whole truth. As I am an honest Christian woman, you will see that there is blame in the matter. He does not lie with my husband, but with me, for whose sake he has done all that he has. Ah, the woman's words came with an intense earnestness, which, which carried conviction with them. Uh, is this true, Barrymore? Yes, Sir Henry, every word of it. Well, I cannot blame you for standing by your own wife. Uh, forget what I have said. Go to your room. Uh, you too. <laughs> and we shall talk further about this matter in the morning. When they were gone, we looked out of the window again, and Sir Henry had flung it open, and the cold night wind beat upon our faces far away in the black distance. There still glowed that uh, tiny uh, point of yellow light. I wonder, he dares, said Sir Henry. It may be so placed as to be only visible from there. Why would he just stand out there? He already saw the candle. He, for some reason, weighs his candle back. 
And then he would just walk up and start getting the food now. Why is he still standing out there waving his candle around? Eh, very likely. How far do you think it is? Oh, out by the cleft tor, I think. Uh, not more than a mile or two off. Hardly that. Well, it cannot be far if Barrymore had to carry the food out to it, and he is waiting, the villain, beside that candle. By thunder, Watson, I am going to take that man. The same thought had crossed my own mind. It was not as if the Barrymores had taken us into their confidence. Their, their secret had been forced from them. The man was a danger to the community. An unmitigated scoundrel from whom there was neither pity nor excuse. We were only doing our duty and taking this chance by putting him back where he uh, could do no harm. With his brutal and violent nature, others would have to pay the price if we held our hands. Any night, for example, our neighbors, the Stapletons, might be attacked uh, by him. You may have thought of this, which made Sir Henry so keen upon adventure. I will come, said I, and then get your revolver and put on, and put on your boots. The sooner we start this, the better that fellow might put out his light and be off. In five minutes, we were outside the door, staring upon our expedition. We hurried through the dark shrubbery amid the dull moaning of the autumn wind and the rustle of the falling leaves, and that night air was heavy with the smell of damp and decay. Oh, now and again the moon peeped out for an instant, but the clouds were uh, driving over the face of the sky, and just as we came out of the moor, a thin rain began to fall, and the light still burned steadily in front. Are, are you armed? I asked. Oh, I have a hunting crop. Uh, we must close in on him rapidly, for he is said to be a desperate fellow. We shall take him by surprise and have him at our mercy before he can resist. Oh, I say, Watson, said the baronet. What would Holmes say to this? How about that hour of darkness in which the power of evil is exalted? As if in answer to his words, there rose suddenly out of the vast gloom of the moor uh, that strange cry which I had already heard upon the borders of the, uh, the great Grimpen Mire. It came with the wind through the silence of the night, a, a long, deep mutter, then a, then a rising howl, uh, and then a, then a sad moan in uh, which it died away. Again and again it sounded, the, the whole air throbbing with it, strident, wild. And, uh, and, 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 and menacing. Oh, the baronet caught my sleeve, and his face glimmered white through the darkness. Oh, my God, what's that, Watson? I don't know. It's a sound they have on, on the moor. I heard it once before. Uh, it died away, and an absolute silence closed in upon us. Oh, we stood straining our ears, but nothing came. Uh, Watson, said the baronet. Uh, it was the cry of a hound. Ooh, my blood ran cold in my veins, for there was a, a, a break in his voice which told of the sudden horror which had seized him. Yeah, what, do they, what do they call this sound, he asked. Who? The folk in the countryside. Ah, they're ignorant people. Why should you mind what they call it? Dumb, poor people. <laughs> Tell me, Watson, what do they say of it? Well, I hesitate, but can I escape the question? Uh, they say it's the cry of the, uh, uh, the hound of the Baskervilles. <sniffs> Dumb poor people. He groaned and was silent for a few moments. A hound it was, he said at last, but it seemed to come from miles away. Uh, uh, over, over yonder, I think. It was hard to say whence it came. It rose and fell with the wind. Isn't that the direction of the great Grimpen Mire? Uh, yes, it is. Well, it was up there. Uh, come now, Watson. Didn't you think yourself that it was the cry of a hound? Uh, I'm not a child. You need not fear to speak the truth. 
uh, Stapleton was me when I heard it last. Uh, he said it might be the, the calling of a, uh, a strange bird. No, no, it was a hound. My God, can there be some truth in all these stories? Is it possible that I'm really in danger from so dark a, a cause? You don't believe it, do you, Watson? Nah, no, no. <laughs> it's just two no's, no. And yet it was, a, it was one thing to laugh about it in London. Yeah, and it was another to stand out here in the darkness the more you'd hear such a cry as that. And my uncle, there was the footprint of the hound beside him as he lay, and it all fits together. I don't think that I'm a, that I'm a coward, uh, Watson, but uh, uh, but that sound seemed to freeze my very blood. Go on, feel my hand. It was cold as a block of marble. Eh, you'll be all right tomorrow. I don't think that I'll get that cry out of my head. Uh, what do you advise that we do now? Uh, should we turn back? No, by thunder, we have come out here to get our man, and we will do it. Uh, we, after the convict, and a hellhound, as likely as not, after us. Come on! I'll see it through if all the fiends of the pit were loose upon the moor. Well, we stumbled slowly along the darkness uh, with the black loom of the uh, craggy hills all around us and the yellow speck of light burning steadily in front, and there was nothing so deceptive as the distance of a light upon a pitch-dark night. Sometimes the glimmer seemed to be far away upon the horizon, so that it might have been within a few yards of us, uh, uh, but at last we could see whence it came, and, and then we knew that we were indeed very close. Uh, a guttering candle was stuck in a crevice of the rocks, uh, which flanked it on each side as to keep the wind from it, and also to prevent it from being visible, uh, save in the direction of the Bassfield Hall. Yeah, a boulder of granite concealed our approach, uh, and crouched behind it, we gazed over it at the signal of light. It was strange to see a single candle burning there in the middle of the moor, uh, with no sign of life near it, uh, just, the, just the one straight yellow flame and the gleam of the rock on each side of it. What should we do uh, now, whispered Sir Henry. Eh, wait here. He must be near his light. Uh, let us see if we can get a glimpse of him. Well, the words are hardly out of my mouth. We both saw him uh, over the rocks in the crevice of which the candle burned. Uh, there was thrust out an evil, an evil yellow face, a terrible animal face, all seamed and, 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 and scored with the... Uh, with vile passions, uh, foul with mire, uh, with bristly beard, and uh, hung with matted hair. Ugh. It might as well belong to one of those ooh, old savages who dwelt in the burrows in the hillsides. Uh, the light beneath him was reflected in his small, cunning eyes, which peered fiercely, left and right through the darkness like a crafty, like a crafty savage animal uh, who has heard the steps of the hunters. Nah, yeah, something but had evidently aroused his suspicions and it may have been that Barrymore had some private signal which had neglected to give or the, or the fellow may have had some other reason for thinking that all was not well. But I could read his fears upon his wicked face. Any instant he might dash out of the light and vanish in the darkness. Oh, I sprang forward, therefore, and Sir Henry did the same. And at the same moment, the convict screamed out a curse at us uh, and hurled a rock, which split it up against the boulder, uh, which had sheltered us. I caught a glimpse of his short, squat, strongly built figure as he sprang to his feet and turned to run. And at the same moment, by a lucky chance, the moon broke through the clouds and we rushed over the brow of the hill. And there was our man running with great speed, down the other side, springing over the stones, and this way with his activity of a mountain goat. <laughs> a lucky long shot of my revolver might have crippled him, but I brought it only to defend myself, if attacked and not to shoot an unarmed man who was running away. Ah, we are both swift runners, and a fairly good training, 
Uh, but we soon found that he had, uh, we had no chance of overtaking him. Oh, we saw him for a long time in the moonlight until he was only a small speck moving swiftly among the boulders uh, along the side of the distant hill. Well, we ran and ran until we were completely blown, but the space between us grew even wider. Finally, we stopped and sat panting on two rocks while we watched him disappearing in the distance. And it was at this moment that there occurred a most strange and unexpected thing. We had risen from our rocks and were turning to go home, having abandoned the hopeless chase. The moon was low upon the right, and the jagged pinnacle of a granite tor uh, stood up against the lower curve of the silver disk. There, outlined a black and ebony statue on that shining background, I saw the figure of a man upon the tor. Well, I did not think that it was a delusion. Holmes, I assure you that I have never in my life seen anything so clearly. As far as I could judge, the figure was that of a... Eh, tall, thin man. Uh, he stood his, his legs a little, a little bit separated, his arms uh, folded, his head bowed as if he were brooding over that enormous wilderness of peat and granite which lay before him. Uh, he might have been the very spirit of the terrible place. It was not the convict, uh, but this man was far from the place where the latter had disappeared. Besides, uh, he was a much taller man with a cry of surprise had pointed him out to the baronet. But in the instant during which I had turned to grasp his arm, the man was gone, and there was a sharp pinnacle of granite still cutting the lower edge of the moon. Eh, but its, its peak bore no trace of that silent and motionless figure. Well, uh, I wished to go in that direction and search the tour, but it was some distance away, and the baronet's nerves were still quivering from that cry, which recalled the dark story of his family. And he was, uh... Yeah, he's not in the mood for fresh adventures. Uh, he had not seen this lonely man upon the tour and could not feel the thrill which his strange presence and his commanding attitude had given me. A warder, no doubt, said he, the moor has been thick with them since this fellow escaped. Well, perhaps this explanation might be the right one, but I should like to have some further proof of it. Uh, today we mean to communicate with the Princetown people uh, where they should look for their missing man. But it's hard lines that we have not actually had the triumph of bringing him back to our own prison. Uh, such are the adventures of last night, and you must acknowledge, my dear Holmes, that I have done you very well in the matter of a report. Much of what I tell you is uh, no doubt quite irrelevant, uh, irrelevant but, uh, but it's, he's so humble to the point of, like, he's those... I'm writing this to you, and I, though you probably think it's stupid, you're just so smart, but I'm doing it anyways. But I still feel that it's the best I should let you have all the facts and leave you to select for yourself those which will be most of service to you in helping with your conclusions. We are certainly making some progress. Uh, as far as the Barrymos go, ah, well, he had found a motive for their actions and has cleared up the situation very much. But the more with its mysteries and its strange inhabitants, remains as inscrutable as ever. Uh, perhaps in my next I may be able to throw some light upon this also. Best of all, uh, would it be if you could come down to us? In any case, you will hear from me again uh, in the course of uh, oh, uh, the next few days. Well, that was horse crap. Uh, maybe we should go retire to the smoking room and review uh, this crap that we just read. Well, uh, what the hell do we just read? Uh, we found out that it's another letter to Sherlock Holmes, chapter after... Is the rest of this book just all letters to Sherlock Holmes? Does Sherlock Holmes ever show up to solve this mystery? I haven't read this since I was in junior high. Uh, 
We find out that the, the butler, I don't know, remember his name, I don't care anymore. He's in the window all the time like a pervert, waving a candle around, trying to get out uh, a signal to somebody out there in the moor, and turns out it's the escaped convict who's related to... Uh, Stapleton? I don't remember anymore. Who cares? Uh, and so the sister's like, oh, that's my brother. We've been babying him forever, and we continue to baby him. Yeah, he broke out of prison, and we are babying him. Somebody should step in and talk to this family about codependent issues. But no one will, because rich people, uh, no one ever talks to a rich person. God forbid you set them straight. So, uh, yeah, these assholes are running around just ruining the community around them, but who cares? They have money. Uh, what's good about this story? I don't know. Maybe we're closer to it, be, uh, it being done. I, I had more respect for the Sherlock Holmes line of stories until I actually read this as an adult, and now I just think it's weird. Uh, I, I still love the motifs of, uh, you know, the moor and the and, uh, howling and uh, just confused wealthy people. Uh, I guess I love that. But uh, beyond that, uh, what sucks? The story. Uh, Sherlock Holmes is annoying. Watson's annoying. Uh, the characters are not the most intelligent people on the face of the earth. Uh, I, so I, I have a gun. I'm going to go out and catch this criminal. Well, then what are you going to do with that gun? Uh, I guess self-defense, so that's a good attitude to have. It's better than uh, a lot of the issues we've been seeing in uh, society lately where the idea is shoot first. I don't care if it's an unarmed man running. Shoot him. Shoot him down. Uh, so I guess it's good that they didn't shoot him, but also, what was your plan? We're just going to go out there and tackle him. Do you got any rope? I don't know. Bring a net. Do you have any plan at all? Now we're just going to go out there and just confront him, and maybe there'll be fisticuffs. What did we learn? Uh, if you're going to lie, like I said earlier, you got to kind of dodge and weave. You gotta gotta get in there. Like, oh, I don't want them to actually know the real secrets. I gotta throw them off the tracks. Talk about how you have a, a plumber out there in the moor waiting for you to bring you back to the basement. you be like, ah, yeah, you got your tools? Like, oh, I got a tool for you. I've watched enough porn. Just shock them with that. Oh, they'll drop the subject entirely. Like, oh, oh, you're just a horny guy in the window. Okay, fine. Well, carry on. Just don't let me know about it. You, I'm trying to sleep. For God's sakes, uh, don't make any noise down there in the basement with your lover. Well, with that, uh, happy birthday to me. This is getting released on my birthday, where I will now be 48 years old. So, so, so much closer to 50. My kids have told me, yeah, you're not old. When you're 50 year old, well, I'm really close to that now, so I'll officially be very old. The kind of old person that should be financially, uh, I don't know, more mature than I really am. Uh, but these are the disappointments in life. I like to think, oh, yeah, I was born in 1973, but really I didn't start living till the 80s. Well, I can't deny the fact that I was born in 1973 and I'm closer to 50. I hate this entire episode. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I guess I'll see you later. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, uh, are, are you cool? 
I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. We can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a House Nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left. <laughs>